Welcome to the Life to the Fullest podcast and today's episode where we discuss money. This is EF3 Life Financial and I'm your host Dan Jason. Money is a necessity and by maximizing it we can enjoy life even more as it becomes an asset for us to achieve our goals and our dreams. Together we journey on through the financial sector discussing a cornucopia of topics including investments, namely stocks, indexes, bonds, retirement opportunities, as well as budgeting, debt payoff, and much more. Check out ef3life.com slash financial and follow us on social media to learn more. Welcome to the Life to the Fullest podcast. I'm your host, Dan Jason. Here, conversations in the car continuing. I'm coming back from Syracuse, New York after watching the Orange with a big victory. And I had the pleasure of being with my good friend, Andrew Lunetta, And it was just amazing times. We're around Thanksgiving and just being able to spend some quality time with a friend is certainly enjoyable. Now, some of our conversation really led us to the heart of the matter and it's what this podcast is centered upon and that is the student loan debacle. And finances in general when it comes to young people having just such illiteracy with it that it's ridiculous. Now, I'm here to talk to you and with you and journey along and to teach young people and others about the situation that's at hand and to hash it out, to dissect it. Because we are doing such a grave detriment to society by allowing our young people to go off to school to incur exponential debt and then basically to incur a mortgage payment that they're able or unable to pay off for 15, 20, maybe even more years of their life. And college, when it was created, always had been to the intent of giving someone an education because as we know, knowledge is power. It's clearly the most important tool that we can have to advance ourselves, society, to eliminate poverty, and to change the world when it comes to providing opportunities for other people and a better quality of life. However, in the last 10 or so years, things have gone array. The way of the world has gone from colleges being a place of knowledge, of fostering learning, of experimentation, of growth and development, to truly being run just like a straight business. And I understand every college is a business and it has to operate in some sorts in that nature to allow it to continue to be what it needs to be and to grow and to prosper and to flourish However, the whole idea of kids going away to school and not knowing or understanding what they're doing when they're signing up for their student loans is absolutely ridiculous. And I can't put it any clearer than that. If you're a young person listening to this or you're somebody who has a young person in their family who's thinking about going to college and it's not already in there and it's not too late, please continue to tune in. And if you're somebody else who's already in school and you're listening to this, or you have a younger person in your family, maybe it's your kid, it's your grandkid, or it's a brother or sister, a cousin, somebody else that you know that's in a private school or some other very highly expensive situation to get an education, it's time to keep listening as well. Why? Because where you are doesn't be where you have to be and what the end story is going to look like. Because if you stay where you are financially and you don't change what is happening when it comes to the amount of money that's being spent versus what is there to actually spend, the amount of debt is just exponentially rising. And it's like a tidal wave that will sweep out someone's entire future. And it's so crazy for me to think about how many thousands and thousands of young people are going off to school without any idea. Their ignorance is crazy. And the person to blame, there's not really one person to blame, society, but you gotta pin it down. And you gotta think about how can we be different? Instead of just pointing the finger, what are the ways that we can benefit younger people to have better financial literacy, to understand the worth and value of a dollar, how much things cost, and what debt looks like and the detriment that you put yourself in versus the financial situation that could be a great asset if you do it responsibly. 
Now, I'm not going to be here and say that you shouldn't send your kids to college or that kids shouldn't go to college. Absolutely not. All right. I'm somebody that was very blessed to have the opportunity to be educated at a great Jesuit school, Lemoyne College in Syracuse, New York, where I got my bachelor's degree in religious studies and theology, and then a master's degree in teaching. And I was able to utilize those degrees in order to teach for eight years in the inner city in Albany and to have a career that I really enjoy. And now I'm leading a business, helping out with my good friends, Gary and Nick Bernardo at Novice Clothing Company in Albany, New York, uh, a grassroots movement business that continues to explode and creates custom apparel for so many organizations, businesses, sports teams, professional athletes, and it's just amazing experience for me to transition. But the thing about it is, I did things in a very unique manner. And what I mean by that is there's a way that I now have learned is a better way. Now, you might not agree with everything that I'm gonna say, and that's okay. I'm gonna tell you how it is and what I feel and the ways that younger people could actually navigate through the college ranks or to have the, the opportunities to do so and to not come out owing hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Because the fact is that there are so many young people today that will leave college with over $200,000 in debt. The, the amount of schools that cost over $50,000 a year, especially the ones that are private schools, it's crazy. Even state schools now are a way better option in terms of financial freedom and not going into that amount of debt where it's gonna decimate your future. When you think about earning potential, now with a bachelor's degree, somebody who graduates doesn't even have that high of an earning potential, it's almost obsolete. And if you're not getting your master's degree, then you're probably going to be making anywhere from forty to $60,000 a year in an entry-level position, sometimes even less, depending upon geographically where you're located in the United States. So you gotta think about all of these factors. You gotta understand your earning potential with the degree that you're gonna be achieving, but also a better way, if you are somebody who is going to go to college, we're gonna talk about that aspect first, how you can do so and to do it more financially responsible in a manner of which you will set yourself up for success in the future and you'll be thanking yourself or the person that you listen to, your advisor, that you did it differently. Because this is BS. It really frustrates me that the majority of people out there and even parents will say, yeah, but guess what? Everybody has student loans and everybody's gonna be in debt and it's just the norm. No, you don't have to settle for that. You don't have to just subside to what everybody else is doing. Everybody else is really like chopping their head off in a way financially. And it's absolutely absurd. If you're going to do something that's going to completely destroy your ability to get somewhere financially over the next decade, why would you sign up for that? Now, how can we do it differently? Instead of taking on student loans where we're buried and we're just completely obliterated by debt and it's just so high in a number that you can't even pay it off and it's it's like looking at a mountain and you're a little ant and you just don't even know where to start because a lot of people are going into bankruptcy well that's not an option so how do we teach our younger people what is the better way and that's what we're going to talk about right now and that's through due diligence is through first being knowledgeable about how much things cost and looking at, all right, well, if this aspect of my college education is going to cost X amount, is there a better way to do it? Is there a more economically responsible manner? And yes, there is. And I was talking to Andrew about this and we were just discussing, hashing it out, kind of dissecting it all and thinking about, you know, if younger people today did it in a different manner and they went to community college for the first two years, that would be the way to go. But even taking it a step further, because when you're 17 or 18 years old, basically no one knows what they wanna do. And oftentimes they'll change because the human brain is not developed and we're not mature enough to realize, you know, even if we have gifts and talents, what it is that we desire to wanna do, what our passions are to live them out. 
So it's really important that Andrew came up with this great response and he said, you know, I took a year between high school and college and it was probably the best decision I could have made. And we agreed that maybe taking a year or even two years to either get into the workforce or to go out and to do something like what he did, like the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, where you're getting life experiences. You're living on your own. So now you fast forward after those two years, let's say, and now you're around 20, and now you're going to go off to college. Well, now there's a little bit of time. There's a little bit of seasoning that has taken place. You have lived life. You've lived on your own, so to speak, and you've learned a lot about yourself. We're still not ready yet to just jump into what am I going to do for the rest of my life? That's too big of a question to be able to comprehend. However, if you go to a community college and you're only spending a few thousand dollars a year, and even the ones that might be more expensive per semester, you're, you're going to be able to even work a job while you're doing that to pay it off. So you're leaving with your associate's degree and you have no debt. So there's goal number one. You have a two-year degree and you have no debt. Now, at that point, at 22 or 23 years old, you might have a better idea of what you might want to do because now you've had four years between your high school graduation and you know earning your associate's degree. You've had life experiences. You've had opportunities to learn. You've had opportunities to get those prerequisites out of the way at a very low cost and in a budget-friendly manner. Now you're gonna go and transfer to a state school. And by transferring to a state school, you're able to make payments as you go. And maybe you can't you know, afford the whole thing, I understand that. You're not able to work that full-time job that's able to pay it or cash flow it. But even if you do take out a loan, it's so much more manageable at the end of those two years than a four-year private degree. I mean, you can't even compare the two. Instead of coming out of college with a $200,000 bill, you're coming out, let's say, with a $40,000 bill, maybe even less than that. If you get some kind of scholarship or maybe you become an RA, that could be in half. And that's just the, the manner, I can't even explain with words, the manner that it sets you up for success to do it differently. And yes, I understand that every college is different. Every situation is varying. There's a lot of other factors that go into it other than money. And that's what people would argue. They say, you know, it's not just about the money. It's about the experience. It's about the culture on campus. It's about the opportunities that are there. Sometimes people would argue it's about the clout of, of the school that will help you to get a better job. But here's the thing. In a four-year degree, whether you're going to Harvard or you're going to a community college and then a state school, most chances are if you're going to be going for that higher level education afterwards, what's going to matter more is where you go for your master's degree and then your doctorate, not your undergrad. And the other thing is you're coming out of it with so much less debt, and that's the biggest aspect right now of understanding. And why is that so important? Because the student loan debacle is completely crushing people when it comes to their future. So now think about the two different people here. The one that went to that private school for four years and maybe they didn't get any scholarship money and they have a $200,000 loan because of the situation that's at hand right now. And they're working over the next 10 or 15 years to pay that off. I mean, it's almost impossible for them to even think about trying to get a home, let alone being able to do anything that they might enjoy doing along the way because they're just going to incur more and more debt. They have a mortgage payment of 12 or $1,300 a month for a minimal payment when they're making an entry-level salary. Not to mention, they're not even thinking about saving for their retirement or their future or making investment. Like, you can't, you can't do that kind of stuff when you have that kind of debt. We take the other student who did things differently, and even if they didn't take those two years or one year to kind of figure things out, to work a little bit, to get life experiences, they still went away to community college and they had no debt because they were able to cash flow it. And then after community college, they went to state school. And let's say they even had 40000 in debt. Well, if you have an entry-level job and you're making 45000 a year when you're starting out, well, here's the thing. In a few years, you're going to be able to pay that off. I mean, you're going to be able to pay it off in maybe five years or less if you're very diligent and if you take on another job, your earning potential grows higher, 
It's extremely manageable, and you can still live life, you can still have experiences, and you can still start saving eventually then to buy a home and to be able to set yourself up for the future that you desire and not be looking like that little ant at this mountain that's immovable, but instead it's very navigable and it makes sense. And you're no less educated and you're far better off because financially speaking, you're way ahead of the game. And then we take the whole other aspect of things. And we think about when we continue to move forward in life, that person who continues to pay off their debt for that 200,000 takes them 15 or 20 years, how much farther behind they are. And it just keeps eating at their opportunity then to retire at a manageable age. And you might say, well, I just started work, I'm not gonna be thinking about retirement. But the thing is, the sooner that you get into the game with your financial aspect of saving for retirement and planning, even if you're just putting in a little bit of money each month, that exponentially grows because we know that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. And we know Albert Einstein said that he talked about it because the more time that it has to compound, the greater your total net worth is going to balloon to over the course of that time. And that's what it needs. It needs time. The only thing that allows it to grow, obviously the interest rate, what it's invested in, the vehicles is extremely important, but time allows it to marinate. It's like that slow cooking recipe that's in the crock pot and you need it to last. Well, we can't even get there. We can't even start to get there. We're so far, much farther behind the game. We're continuously playing catch up. Not to mention it could be very debilitating and also just discouraging. If you get a four-year degree and then you have this earning potential of 45,000 or 40,000 to start out and you have this bill of 200,000, it, it crushes your dreams. I, I just put it like that. I mean, yeah, certain people can go on and then what, are you gonna get a higher ed degree and continue with your master's and then your doctor and then you have a bill that's like $400,000? I mean, it's just insane, the amount that it costs. And I don't blame the students so much. I mean, if we as a society did a better job of educating them, giving them the knowledge, laying it out like I just did, even in the course of like 15 minutes, let alone providing resources that will really help them to understand what this is all about, to contemplate, all right, this is what debt is, this is what it looks like, and this is how compound interest can be your worst nightmare when you're owing on it. Whereas this is how it could be your greatest asset and ally when you're earning it. And that's just completely flipping the script. But if you don't know better, how can you do better? So I'm not blaming the kids that are 15, 16, 17, 18 years old when they're going through high school for not knowing this stuff. But we have to do a better job as a society in our schooling system of setting up curriculum that actually has classes that teach life, that teach money management, that teach budgeting, that teach debt, that teach interest rates, that teach taxes. These are all life skills. These are all balancing a checkbook. You know, building that budget and understanding how much is coming in versus what is going out, what it looks like, the value of the dollar, it's huge. And across all aspects, across all socioeconomic statuses across all religions, across all different cultures, it is primary. You can't argue that. It's, it's really relevant to everybody in all walks of life. And I've never met a kid before that didn't like money. You know, most young people like things. They like stuff. Well, I don't blame them for liking that. I mean, that's the way of the world. Well, you can have a lot more if you know what to do with what you have. It just makes sense. So I'm upset at society, but instead of wasting time about that, we're talking about what we can do and we're trying to teach our young people how they can do things differently than just subsiding to the way of the world because we can learn from the mistakes of other people. This is a societal and generational issue though, and I think it could be the greatest detriment to this generation and the thing that's gonna hold them back from really going where they could go, from reaching their truest and fullest potential. And it's sad. 
It's sad that one decision, one thing, signing the dotted line can really set you back 15 or 20 years. We can't allow that to happen. Now it's time for the parents to step up and say, hey, you might really like this school. It might seem like a good fit, but this is a better situation for you to go down this path and to guide them. We're not making decisions for anybody. We're not forcing anybody to do anything they don't want to do, but we're also not allowing them to make a decision that's gonna completely destroy their future. And I get it. I mean, I know quite a bit of people that had over $120,000 in student loan debt after they graduated college, and that was like eight or 10 years ago. And now the amount just continues to balloon out of control. And those people have been paying it off, and some of them are debt-free now. And shout out to them for doing it and crushing it and working really hard. But how much better off would you be if you had so much less so then you could capitalize on your earning potential and put the hard-earned money that you are working for diligently every single day into building net worth, into building your retirement? Because that $1,300 debt payoff for your student loan, which most student loans and Sally Mae is charging people at least minimally 8%, and I've seen it as high as 12, and it is crazy. If you were getting 8 to 12% on half of that amount of money, so we're talking about 1300 you cut that in half, and you're at about $650 per month. If you're putting that into your Roth IRA at 8 to 12%, we'll call it the 10%, you're gonna have over $1.25 million in about 35 years. Can you imagine that? Instead of being a slave to this debt, you just took half of the amount of money you would have owed if you did college a different way by going the community college route and then the state college route, and you're no less educated, and you have the same type of job because you have the the same degree, that piece of paper that allows you to do the work that you desire to do. But fast and forward, 35 years, that money that you would have spent that you, you just flipped the script completely and now you're over $1.25 million ahead of the game. It's, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts the way that the numbers work. But you gotta know about it in order to do things differently. We're gonna take a quick commercial break, be right back at it in a moment. The Life to the Fullest podcast is brought to you by EF3 Life journeying with you as we progress and become a better version of ourselves while impacting the world. Make sure to visit ef3life.com and check out my greatest and best-selling book, Winning with Money, Dollars and Cents, a comprehensive guide to financial freedom and peace. There's only one way to live, and that's life to the fullest. I have to say... I started learning about finances at a very young age, and I gotta share with you this story because it really changed the game for me. At five years old, so I'm in kindergarten, and shout out to my parents who who provided 50 cents a week for our allowance when we were in kindergarten, my brother and I, and it just started to teach us about saving. And you know, when I was a little kid, we're not going to the store and just getting whatever we want. It wasn't just you know, being spoiled rotten all the time. It was actually about helping my brother and I understand the value of money, the value of a dollar, and the way of the world when that you have to save up in order to buy things. So I remember going to Walmart with my mom at five years old. And this sticks in my mind today because <laughs> when you hear this, you're gonna think it's a little bit crazy, but it's a great example of setting a precedent for a child at that formidable age. So we go there after I had saved up for a month to buy this Matchbox car, this bright red Hot Wheels. This thing was sweet, I even had flames on the side. I remember seeing it and I just wanted it. It was just so cool. I was gonna play with it, probably take it with me to school for recess time, you know, if it's on a rainy day, play inside. I mean, you can do it on the track. You can do so many different things. And when you're a little boy, you want that car, that flashy red car, and that thing that's shiny and it's bright and it catches your eye in the store. And I had seen it a month before, and I knew my mom helped me with the math that it was gonna take a month to be able to get 
that car. So I save up week after week. Before you know it, I have those $2. We go to Walmart to buy the Matchbox car. So I'm there, I'm standing there in the aisle. I see it, I take it off the shelf, and I have the biggest smile on my face, and I march myself up to the cash register, and I give it to the attendant. They scan it, and it comes up $2.16. And I'm looking at the register there, and I'm thinking to myself, what the heck is going on, right? I saw this thing was $2. Why is it ringing up $2.16? Now, my mom, being the teacher that she is, actually makes this a very teachable moment. And for me, at five years old, obviously, I don't know about taxes. Well, this is where I learned it wholeheartedly and fully. Kind of smacked me in the face like a cement mixer coming downhill at 100 miles per hour. Well, $2 turned into two sixteen because of 8% sales tax. Are you kidding me? I'm five years old and I cannot get this Matchbox car. Now, the easy thing would have been for my mom to just fork over the 16 cents. But shout out to her. She didn't do that. And I'm so glad she didn't. Because I had to take that Matchbox car back, put it back on the shelf, how painful that was. But it left an impression on me to understand the value of money and to understand that you have to have enough of it before you buy something. Because my mom could have right then and there just let's say she would have given me the 16 cents or she would have put it on her credit card. As ridiculous as that sounds, for $2.16, she had the cash, obviously. But she could have put it on the credit card and say, hey, you can pay it off later. But she didn't do that. And that set a real tone for my whole life. That set a precedent. That helped to leave a lasting impression on me at a very formidable age. I was malleable like clay at this softness about me. And because of that, I remember it till this day. And the value of the dollar just grew inside of me. And I never wanted to owe money and I wanted to have enough of it to pay for things in full. And that's probably the reason, and I know that this podcast is not about me at all. It's about helping young people understand the value of money and and to navigate through the student loan debacle and to find a better way. But I share this story because it's so valuable. Okay, it's so tangible. There's so many great takeaways here. That allowed me to realize at that age that you had to save up to get what you wanted and that you can't overspend. And if you overspend and you go into debt, it's not gonna be okay. Let alone taxes exist, right? There's a thing called sales tax. Well then you fast forward and then I'm in high school and I'm picking out basketball sneakers. So the easy choice would be my parents would just pay whatever it is because they had the money, but they didn't do that. They, they capped it at a certain amount. I had to use my birthday money and other money that I earned through doing different chores, what have you. And I go and I pay the difference. Well, I didn't really want to take the money with me to the mall because when you're you know, 15 years old or 14 years old, kind of carrying around $110 seems like a lot of money. So instead, I calculated how much I could spend beforehand and I knew my budget going into it. That's the key. I knew how much I could spend and was willing to spend with taxes included and that wouldn't be more than 110 bucks. So I'm there and I spend the 50 my parents gave me and then an extra 35 plus sales tax. So, you know, I'm coming out of there owing well less than 110 and I pay my dad back as soon as I get home. Like I get in the door and I go up to my room and I get the money and I give it to him and I'm squared up and those things I own. Taking ownership over your choices, taking complete ownership over your expenses and understanding how much you have versus how much you are spending to be in a good situation. So then we fast forward again and I'm going off to college and thankfully, I mean, my parents, they, they helped me big time when it came to college, when it came to expenses, but also helped myself, okay? So shout out to them for saving and understanding it because I wouldn't have went to where I did go to school if I didn't have that help from them. But I also helped myself by earning merit scholarships, by becoming an RA for the next four and a half years, even through grad school. So, I mean, there's ways to do it differently for sure. But then you continue to fast forward 
And if I didn't learn the value of the dollar and the value of not being in debt and understanding how much money I was going to owe because of interest rate, we're talking on a 4.125% interest rate for my house that I was gonna owe on average on a house that was gonna cost you know, 180 plus thousand dollars after putting 20% down for a down payment, it still is gonna charge me around $5,000 of interest per year. That's a lot of money, at least it was to me. And somebody out there might be thinking, oh, that's not that much, but I didn't wanna owe that. So the idea was, let me pay this sucker off as quickly as I can so I don't owe it anymore and then I could take all that money from my interest that I would have been paying plus the principal and put it towards growth, put it towards growing my net worth through the stock market, through now even cryptocurrencies and other avenues, growing my retirement. I mentioned all this because it comes full circle, but it starts with the foundation that we let. Are we teaching our kids this? Are we just handing them things and then making them understand or think that they can just get whatever they want and it doesn't matter the cost? Or are we teaching them the value of the dollar, having to save, having to be disciplined, because you don't get that discipline at 18 years old. It doesn't just come automatically with graduating from high school. Actually, quite the opposite. You gain that discipline by growing it as a muscle earlier on in your life, in your childhood, but that has to be established by parents, by grandparents, by people in that child's inner circle, by their godparents, whoever the case is, Somebody has to take them by the side and to teach them along the way. That's where it starts. And that's where life actually can be learned so many great lessons when it comes to finances and lay this foundation that can then be grown. And then what should happen is that when they get in high school, we should be building on that foundation and teaching them actually the specifics about all of these different assets and faculties when it comes to finances. So that way when they have these life decisions to be made, even at 18, 19, or 20 years old, they have the knowledge to be able to do so in a sound manner. That is a different approach. This podcast is brought to you by EF3 Life Financial. Make sure to visit ef3life.com slash financial to gain books, resources, and more to win with money, including my bestseller, Winning with Money, Dollars and Cents, a comprehensive guide to financial freedom and peace. Make sure to follow us on social media at EF3Life. There's only one way to live, and that's life to the fullest. Welcome back to the Life to the Fullest podcast. I'm your host, Dan Jason. We're here, conversations in the car, today talking about finances, specifically the student loan debacle, and this crazy situation that we find ourselves in, in the United States of America, the greatest and wealthiest country in the world, and we have more people that are in serious debt than any other place on the planet. Now, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up that you get the most education, but then you have the most debt. Two and two make four, but what I just said doesn't even line up. So in the first part of the podcast episode, we went through and just talked about how wrong it is, but most importantly, what could be done differently, how we can navigate through the college ranks and go away to school to gain that knowledge. I'm a big proponent of knowledge. I, I was a teacher, okay? I love knowledge. I thirst for knowledge, and I want to give knowledge to other people. I want kids and young people, and anybody for that matter, to always be lifelong learners. That's what it's about, about bettering ourselves and our world through gaining and obtaining knowledge. And there's only one way to do it, and that's to learn. But learning can happen in a variety of fashions. We're gonna discuss that in this part of the episode, in part two, but the thing that I was trying to talk about is there's a better way to do it, there's a more economically sound way, a more sustainable way, and a more financially responsible way, and that was going community college route and then state school route. Now we're gonna talk about how in this day and age today, sometimes going to college isn't the best thing for an individual. And there were so many people that probably 10 years ago would have been cringing when I said that. Now everybody had thought, well, you gotta go to college or else you're gonna be a failure 
in life. And there's this exponential pressure that is being put on young people. You have to go away to school and you have to study X, Y, or Z to have any kind of future. If you don't go to college, you're a loser and you're not going to make it in the world. The farthest thing from the truth. Today, if you're going to private school versus you're not going to college and you have a good head on your shoulders, you have the ability and the willingness to work hard and you have drive, I think that you're better off not going. Yes, I said that. But you got to think about the context of what I'm saying here. If you're a young person that has some kind of passion or talent and you have this ability to understand that, and maybe you can understand that when you're 17 or 18, but you take a couple years to start working and you start figuring those things out as you're working and you're not incurring debt because in middle class America, most kids are going to be living at home for a few years, whether that means right after high school when they're starting to work or when they're actually coming back from college and they graduated when they get their first job. Why? Because they're in so much debt because then they have to start paying things off and they can't afford it. Their parents feel that burden and they want to lighten the load so they allow their child to stay with them at home. Well, how much better if you know, we're taking advantage of that in a positive manner and we're starting to build our economic resources and we're navigating through life, gaining experiences to figure out what we do want to do, but we're not blowing up the debt scale and just taking on all this crazy amount of money that we're gonna owe. How much more free you can make decisions when you don't have to do certain things because of the amount of money that you're owing. And so many people probably feel stuck in their job today and they have no choice because of the situation that's at hand, because of the amount of debt that they owe. Well, if you don't owe debt, that's why it's called financial freedom. You can actually pick and choose what you want to do. And when you're a younger person trying to figure that out, it becomes much less pressure-oriented when you have that freedom to actually decide. When you can take some small risks and understand, all right, maybe I'm gonna do this for a little while and if it works out great and if it's not for me, that's okay, I can move on and I can learn and I can grow and I can become better because we often learn from things that didn't work out well or maybe mistakes are made, but it's not like a, a, a huge amount of risk that's involved and it's not gonna undermine everything that we're trying to do. So now, as we're navigating through this idea of possibly college not being the best thing for everyone, it really makes sense. You know, there's so many different outlets and ways that you can gain knowledge. Sure, you could be self-taught. I'm a primary example of somebody who is self-taught when it comes to finances. Having read countless books, having written a book on finance, Winning with Money, Dollars and Cents, A Comprehensive Guide to Financial Freedom and Peace. It is available on my website, ef3life.com. It's also available on amazon.com. And I pared down all these great resources into one to really establish a beginner's guide and to give you the meat and potatoes with some salt and pepper in there to help young people, to help people of all ages, to be able to win with their money. And I'm not somebody who likes to harp on this all the time, but we're talking about it on this podcast because it's so important. It's not only going to prosper you and your future, it's generational. Like what people don't realize is what they do and how they go about their finances, how they're journeying with money is often gonna be what they teach and they set as a tone for their family and their kids and their grandkids. So if we establish this firm foundation rooted in knowledge and understanding of sound choices, it's not only gonna benefit you and your household, it's gonna benefit generations to come. And the opposite can be the case when it's an irresponsible approach. So for those who are not going to college, I applaud you when you have a good head on your shoulders and you understand that you want to find what it is that you're passionate about. And you get a job that you're doing something you really like and you didn't need to go into crazy debt to get there because you have a skill set, you have communication ability, you are personable, you utilize your toolbox to make it work. You go into the trades, 
You go into a variety of jobs that employees today aren't always looking at that piece of paper that could cost up to $200,000. But instead, sometimes they're looking at experience. Well, guess what? The only way to get experience is actually to go and do things. And if you're over there getting educated in a formal sense and you're spending crazy amounts of money doing it, whereas you're working yourself through the ranks and you're earning your stripes by working and getting experience, well, here's the thing. If I'm going to hire somebody, I'm going to be looking at, well, who has the experience and who's going to be the best fit for the job? It's kind of like a draft. You know, for those people out there who like fantasy sports, oftentimes you might have a certain position that's in need. Well, guess what? You're taking the best person that's available on the board. And that's what I'm doing if I'm running a business. So we're in the hiring process and we're thinking about who would be the best fit for this job. It's not just always, all right, I'm taking the person who has the um, greatest amount of education. No, it's actually more important you're taking somebody who has a skill set that matches that job description of what they're going to be doing on the day-to-day, that has experience with it, and will be the best cultural fit for the team who's going to jive, who's going to have that good communication, who's going to fit in well and work well with everybody that's already there. So this idea that you have to go to college is absolutely ridiculous. And this even crazier idea that you have to go into debt, exponential debt, is absurd. It's a lie. Stop lying to our kids. Stop lying to young people. And stop allowing them to make these crazy decisions with one strike of the pen, with one signature. So my proposal is something of a way that we can change how we approach college how we talk to young people, how we learn what they think they might want to do to encourage them to gain some experience first so they're more mature before they sign up to do something that is four years of their life, minimally, is going to cost X amount of money, no, tens of thousands, regardless. There are ways to have scholarships. There are ways to lower the cost for sure, as we talked about in the first part of the podcast, and it can significantly change the game but it's still signing up for something that's important decision you can't make important decisions without knowledge you can't make important decisions without understanding all the avenues or looking at all the possible outcomes at the end of the road there how does that happen it comes back to providing ways for kids and young people to learn what their options are But if nobody presents that, how can you fault somebody for thinking, all right, I'm going to do this because 90% of my friends are doing it as well. No, just going with the flow, going with what everybody else is doing, the norm, isn't the right thing most of the time, let alone here, it's insane. And I can't say that enough. I'm beating a dead horse now, but the horse needs to be beat because guess what? You don't win, you don't change, you don't overcome this situation by just being okay with it. Now it's time to take action, it's time to make things happen, it's time to start talking to our young people. So the greatest gift that you can do right now if you're somebody who has anybody in your family, a friend, a neighbor, somebody that you know that's between 15 and 17 years old or 18 years old before they have this decision to be made is to educate them, is to inform them, is to break it down, is to help them to understand what is taking place and what this decision will look like for them, especially based on a specific degree they're going to earn. And here's the whole other thing. I didn't even touch on this in the first part of the episode. It's the fact that most people don't even end up doing for their duration of their career what they get their degree in, which ultimately tells me that actually the degree itself, even though in some careers like teaching you have to have or you can't do it, but ultimately doesn't mean as much as the experience, as the person and the fit that they would be 
at that job place and the skill set that they have to do the job. So if you're going to be changing careers on average five to six times throughout a 30-year period or jobs or employers, well, guess what? If you don't need a college education, why are you just going to do it? Now, I have nothing against going to college. I'm a college-educated person myself. What I have is a real big beef with people just subsiding to the way of the world and thinking that anything goes and is all right and that it's okay to not inform our young people of the truth. Because that's what it comes down to. Do you want to harm somebody by allowing them to just destroy their future or do you want to inform them, educate them, and guide them to make a sound choice, whether that be college or that be trades or that be another career path that is skill-oriented in a particular area that they find interest and value in. There are so many different roads and avenues that can be taken. There's no one be-all, end-all answer. I would say, though, that actually the greatest answer is, is ironically, education. And that doesn't mean college. That doesn't mean always informal. But there's a blend of it. You have to learn. You also have to know. At the end of the day, knowledge is power. And the more knowledge that we can give to our younger people earlier on when it comes to finances, when it comes to doing things differently, when it comes to understanding actually what matters in life, and money doesn't mean everything. That's not what I mean at all. What I mean by it is understanding and having a real pulse on the situation at hand. And there's a reason and a season for everything under the sun. I completely agree with that. However, if you don't have to harm yourself doing it, then don't. If you can set yourself up for success and there's a better way, we find it. And if somebody needs help, we help them. If we need help, we ask. These are actually all mannerisms that I taught my students at Kip Tech Valley Charter School in Albany, New York, when I was teaching. And the beautiful thing about teaching is sometimes we're the student and sometimes we're the teacher. And understanding your role, if you're a parent out there, if you're a guardian, if you're a grandparent, even if you don't know that much about finances, you know enough that's common sense to not allow somebody to do something that's going to harm them and their future. And if you're somebody out there who's a student, whether you're 18 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old, 40 years old, understand what you're doing and learn from people who are giving you wisdom and care about you and are trying to guide you in the right manner. They don't want to see harm come to you and they want to see you prosper in the future. My hope is that during this episode, it will call to mind this understanding that we have to do a better way of educating our youth. We have to create curriculum. We have to have books like mine, Winning With Money, Dollars and Cents, in the hands of people to really learn what it's all about, to learn the basics of budgeting, to learn debt payoff, to learn interest rates, to learn compound interest, to learn about retirement, to learn about taxes, to learn about balancing a budget and a paycheck. All these are instrumental. These are life lessons. And when I was talking to Andrew about this, and I'll close out by saying this, we talked about what was one thing that you actually learned in high school that you remember that feels so worthwhile? And neither of us, and this isn't a dig on any of our teachers. We had great teachers. We had great schools that we went to. It's not a dig at all. It's, it's knowledge that helps you along the way, for sure. It grows you, and it gives you a foundation, absolutely. But when it came to like high school courses, neither of us could really put a finger on one thing that we learned that actually is benefiting us today. Don't get me wrong. The skills that were continuing to be cultivated have merit. But one particular thing or nugget of knowledge or a course that we took that really left an impact. We can't, we can't call to mind one. Well, Life 101, 
or finances 101, even better, more specific, would do that for young people. So if you're a high school administrator out there, if you're somebody who's working in a school, if you're working with youth in the summertime, if you're somebody who just cares and you're a mentor, I encourage you to talk to younger people about money. I encourage you to help them to have a healthy respect for it, to learn about it, and to covet it, to make sure that we're good stewards because that's what it's about. It's about taking what we have, the financial resources, and bettering our world with it. But it's really hard to do that when you're behind the eight ball from the get-go. It becomes a lot more easy to impact others through financial generosity, philanthropy, and being a cheerful giver when you have more to give. All that comes down to doing due diligence and helping young people understand the value of the dollar, helping them to not get into exponential debt through the student loan crisis and doing things a better way. Education is a key to the world becoming a better place. It's a key to peace. It's a key to ending poverty. It is a sword that could cut through so many societal issues. But we got to stop stabbing ourselves in the back with this crazy debt that is being incurred by younger people out of a lack of knowledge, out of ignorance, out of not understanding what they're doing. Continue to grow, continue to learn, continue to understand there's so much more out there and there's a better way. And in doing so, in finding it, you will better yourself, you will better your life, and most importantly, you will then use your skills, your education, and your ability to change the world. May God bless you. Keep doing your thing out there. Keep learning, keep growing, keep reading, keep being better every single day, persevere, and as always, keep living life to the fullest. Thanks for joining me on the Life to the Fullest podcast, everybody. For EF3 Life Financial, I'm your host, Dan Jason. Stay wealthy and healthy, my friends. Keep working hard and staying disciplined to tell your money where to go so you can make it grow. Check us out at ef3life.com financial to gain access to free resources, tools, and more, including my best-selling book, Winning with Money, Dollars and Cents. Give us a follow on social media at EF3Life. Until next time, keep living life to the fullest.